0: Welcome to the Artist Appeals. This is Erin Sparler, and I'm your host. In the Artist Appeals, we interview artists, crafters, photographers, and business professionals about the business of art. I hope you'll join us and enjoy the show. All right, so in this episode of the Artist Appeals, we're going to talk to the licensed designer of many fabrics, this lady has been in the textile and fabrics industry for 17, 18, 19, 20 years. Her fabric was first featured on Hancock Fabrics, and she's been designing uh, patterns, textiles, and working in the licensing field for quite some time. About seven or eight years ago, she helped found a new event. I hesitate to call it a conference because this really is more of like an event. It has limited numbers and it's called Art Biz Jam. That's Art B-I-Z Jam. And this conference is coming up soon, actually. It's going to be in Philadelphia this year from August 27th to September 1st. They've got presenters who are going to present on the topic of licensing your art from some big-time companies. They're going to start out with a tour from, of Anthropologie's headquarters in Philly. How exciting is that? Then they've got Sue Todd, the Director of Product Management for Studio M. Margo, also from Studio M, is the Director of Product innovations. going to be speaking. And they've got Debbie Saviano, who is one of the co-founders of Women's Leadership Live. If you missed that interview, we just interviewed her. She is going to be presenting on social media. And she's amazing. Go check out that podcast. That was the previous one. And she talks about if she can do it at the age of 70, so can you. And they're going to have Katie Phillips, the owner and CEO of Primitives by Kathy, as well as four of her team, including Courtney Klein, the director of product trend strategy; uh, Michelle Thompson, director of product development strategy; and Kristen Kopp, director of marketing. They're going to have Ellie Court, design manager of creative converting, one of the largest partyware manufacturers. The list goes on and on. This is going to be such a great event, and. We've got lots of great information for you in this episode of the Artist Appeals about licensing and Art Biz Jam. So, without further ado, please allow me to introduce you to one of the co founders of Art Biz Jam, Phyllis Dobbs. So, Phyllis, welcome. Welcome to the Artist Appeals podcast. So excited to have you on. So I always like to start these out with a little bit of a backstory about you and how you got to where you are at. Was there a defining moment or a crisis or an event that led you to starting your art biz jams? For those of you guys listening, and you probably heard the intro but Phyllis is the founder of Art Biz Jam, which is this cool conference. Tell us a little bit about how you came up with the idea and what led you down this path.
1: Well, a lot of artists, you know, you want to have uh, several of us have wanted to have some kind of workshop or retreat for artists, because artists work alone in their studios and they don't have anybody to talk to. So we get together like, Markets or trade shows like maybe the Atlanta gift market, and we always are just like hugging and networking and like so glad to see each other, but we don't have time to talk because we're there conducting business. So, yeah. I thought about the idea of having a retreat and we could all get together and network and you know just have some time together where we aren't just rushing out the door. It's mm-hmm. a fun time to learn things. So I contacted a couple of friends, and we talked about it, artist friends, and they were like, "Yes, yes, yes, we're going to do this." And so we started Art Biz Jam, and I have a place at the beach. The so first one was at the beach. Mm, nice it was, and so we uh, had such a great time. And when we felt this. You know, we presented the program of different topics and everything to the attendees. And we thought it was going to be like every year we would have a different group coming in. But Mm -hmm. they loved it and became a family. So we have so many repeat people coming back here. And at the same time, we've grown it with education to have product developers come in and speak on what they look for when they're working with artists and trends and how the company works and so much more information. So we started out with just like one art director or product developer, and then it expanded and we had like three. And now this year we've got eight people to give information. Oh, that's great. And it's just, it is this mushroom and everybody else it has become like a family. It's a tribe. We have a group page where they can talk. They meet. We meet up at, at the Atlanta gift market and have an Art Biz Jam meetup and everybody gets together and talk and everything so it's just become the main thing is it's become a great networking thing it's become where people can talk to each other it's become where they can learn about licensing and other ways to make money where they can meet product developers and find out that they are people just like they are you know so it's just become uh something we had not thought it would turn into just because we did not know how successful it was going to be with people and the networking and what they learn. Yeah.
0: You know, you told me you started in cross stitch and embroidery design and that you do a bunch of quilting and and you had licensed mainly in the fabric industry, right? Right. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's gone into bedding. Uh, it's kind of come full circle. I started off back, I had to date myself. I was going to design and cross stitch and using my art for cross stitch designs. And that market crashed, which made me realize you don't put all your eggs in one basket Mm -hmm. because of my art. And I've always loved textiles. I mean, you know, I buy fabric because I just love the colors, the design. And Mm -hmm. so I designed fabrics. So I started using my art and was lucky that I became uh, an artist or designer for Hancock Fabrics for a little period of time. And then I got a a licensing deal with another fabric company. So it all comes full circle. You use your art to create one product, which leads to another product, which leads to another product. And then having fabrics goes back to doing quilt designs because mm-hmm. your quilt designs for your fabric to help promote your fabrics. So then, but then the other things come into play too. And, you know, like I was signed with an agent for a few years and uh, I've got my product license on other things such as rugs and... Oh, cool. Yeah, bedding. I'm doing a lot of work in the bedding and home area. So uh, at just have my business has just flowed from one thing to another. It just, you know, so many people just start off working like I'm an artist, I'm doing art, and this is it. But there's so many ways you can use
0: your art to uh, morph into other directions. Yeah. And this newest thing, well, I guess it's not that new, but Art Biz Jam is really your giving back this knowledge and this experience you've had. But it sounds actually, when I contemplate it from this angle, I'm like, wow, how did you actually do that? How did you actually put together this conference? Like, how did you get funding in the space and in outreach? So um, we talk about your and my path is so similar, it seems sometimes, because I want to educate people and help people make a living from their art. And so we've got this appeal system, developing art. You did that. You made product and licensed it, bedding, quilting, cross-stitch. And then you had the product, art, product, and then presentation. And you've really taken the presentation and turned it into event. So do you want to talk a little bit about how, maybe some of the hurdles you overcame with starting this massive event? And um, It just sounds fascinating to me.
1: <laughs> well, we were formulating, you know, we just said, let's do a retreat for artists, you know, because we like to network and talk and everything, but let's see how we're going to make it work. So we also involved product developer in the formation of this, and she was our first product developer to speak at Art Biz Jam.
0: So was this somebody you had worked with in licensing your products?
1: Actually, Lori had worked with her closely before, Lori Sleebert, who is my partner. Her name, I can tell you, it was Ann Brown, who at the time was with Studio M, and she's with another company now, but she'd been in the business for years with Demdeco and other companies, so she was a highly knowledgeable product developer. And so uh-huh. we had, the few of us would have numerous Skype calls, formatting, how are we going to do this? What are we going to do? How are we going uh-huh. to up? What are we going to teach them? You know, what aspects of licensing? And you just networked over Skype, you know, just constantly trying to come up with the exact format we wanted it to be. And we, right. decided we really wanted it business focused because we wanted to teach the people like how to present their art, what they should do, and all of the things that go into licensing, you know, like building a collection. Just, there's so many areas that people need to know if they are going to license their art and so right. kind of came up with the uh format and the plan and then like i say we had uh and came and was our first guest speaker and then as far as the how to actually put it on since i had a condo in Destin, i knew a lot of people in my area that had condos so i got on the phone with all of them and like will you rent me your condo will you rent me a condo so we got all these condos lined up for people to stay in oh cool yeah so we uh we had everybody was kind of closely there together. It was really, really small. We wanted to keep it small, really small at first so that we could format it correctly and learn, too, as they were learning. So, you know, it was a learning process for all of us. And I was talking with one of the uh, artists that came to our first Art Biz Jam, and she has been every year. And this would be her seventh time to, to be at Art Biz Jam. Wow, and she was, that's so cool! Oh, it is, and she was talking about how special that first one was because we all just bonded so well and had so many funny stories too. Because we would like pull out chairs and sit in a circle in the driveway at night <laughs> outside, <laughs> stories that were just hysterical. I mean, it was just so magical, and so we've tried to carry a lot of that forward each year and. Uh-huh. So we're also growing too, but we're, you know, growing slowly enough that we're not, you know, we're learning as we grow. So it's just become amazing. Like I say, so many people come back each year that, you know, I looked at the list and like probably, I'd say uh, two thirds of them are returning from prior years.
0: Wow. And this year
1: you're in Philly. Right. Philadelphia. So we took it away from the beach because uh, we did the first three at the beach and then all of a sudden, it was kind of like, "Uh-oh, hurricanes are coming in. We can't do the <laughs> right,
0: right weather
1: at the beach." <laughs> I hadn't thought about that part. Oh yeah, so I know, and people now keep saying we need to go back to the beach. And I'm going, "Yeah, let's wait for hurricanes to slow down again." <laughs> right. And Apologies Home Office is, is located in Philly, so we're going to go there the first day prior to Art Biz Jam. We're going to take a tour of. Uh, go to their home office and they're going to presentation for us where they're going to talk about trends, how they work with designers and so forth. So this is to see behind the scenes of anthropology, which is like enormous to me. And then that afternoon, we're going to another major gift company uh, called Primitives by Kathy. And they hmm. a big gift company that licenses art and a lot of word art and art for their products, so they're going to have another presentation for us on, you know, trends, how they work with artists and different aspects of their business. So that is like kind of like a tour, or actually two tours the day before Art biz Jam actually starts, where we have the speakers that are coming in and talking to us. We had started this. That sounds so cool. Yeah, you know, we started this a couple of years ago. I went to a major gift company, Dim Deco, where they gave a presentation, and then last year we went to. Uh, uh, Magnolia at the Silos, where we had a behind-the-scenes tour of that one also. Mm. Got to see some of their marketing department and everything. So uh, anyway, this year with these two, we're really excited about having two of them to uh, attend before it starts.
0: Yeah, that's interesting that it's before. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's the day before. It's kind of like, because we used to start on Thursday with Art Bishop, and then we added the extra day of Wednesday so we could do these tours.
0: That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So how have you been educating people about the event? Like, obviously, you're educating people at Art Biz Jams. Like, that's the whole purpose is to educate people about licensing. But how have you extended your outreach? What have you learned about telling stories and getting the word out through social media and so forth and so on?
1: Okay, a lot of it has been... You know, we put it on our web pages, and then our blogs, and then we put it on Facebook, and then we face- We formed a Facebook group, which mm-hmm. you can join, and we we usually announce it there before we send out emails. But we have an email list. Mm-hmm. We use that too, and then we use uh, Instagram to promote it, also. But uh, we a lot of us meet up. The biggest event for artists to attend. For licensing is the Atlanta Gift Market. So, uh, we have a meetup usually on Thursday at Market where we all get together and talk. And in January is the biggest show and we will announce then where the ArtBizGem is going to be that year and information about it. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, this is like word of mouth. And then we post on the Facebook groups and, and this the community on the Facebook group and they talk back and forth about different things. So uh, is that
0: open to the public or is that a private Facebook group?
1: Well, it, uh, it's open to the public, but it's really geared for artists, you know, uh, mm-hmm. but anybody, you know, people can join it. I mean, it's, it's open. So, so that's uh,
0: Facebook and it's um, Art Biz, B-I-Z,
1: Jam, it. Right. And it's one word, and they can just go there, and, and you know, look for that group and find it and join it.
0: Yeah, and listeners, there—all these links we talk about will be in the show notes down at the bottom below the podcast on the Artist Appeals. So, if you want a direct link, just go down to the bottom, and we'll have links of all these things that we're talking about. So, the Atlanta Gift Show—you guys all go to that one, but you don't go to uh, Surtec.
1: But yeah, everybody goes to different shows. You know, like a lot of artists go to Surtex, and you know they go to Gift Market if they can get in. It's a little harder to get in Gift Market, but they go to Surtex. But then there's another show called Blueprint that a lot
0: of them are starting to go to. Oh, I hadn't heard of that one yet. It was
1: in New York. This next year, it's going to be in connection with the Greeting Card Association is having a show, and they're going to move it next year to San Francisco. Oh, it has been in uh, New York, and it was. But Blueprint has kind of taken the place of Certex. Things have changed with Certex and the way things are, are done. They combined it with the greeting card. It's a national stationery show. I'm sorry, national stationery show. And then, uh-huh. so anyway, that's still going on. But a lot of artists are giving Blueprint a try due to expense. And, but, you know, there's so many ways they can show their art. You know, a lot of times, if you can't go to these shows, if you... Go into gift companies, you know, gift stores, and always just like pick up the product and see who's manufacturing it. And if it's something that you think your art will fit with, you can contact the company and find out who you can submit your art to. So you don't necessarily have to go to a show to show your art. You can do it that Mm -hmm.
0: way. Yeah. I looked up Blueprint, and it's Blueprint Surface Design and Print Show. And the address is blueprintshows.com. And then there's Surtex, which is S-U-R-T-E-X. And that looks like, yep, February 2nd to 5th, 2020. So yeah, there's a lot of really cool places to go and show your art. But it's expensive, right, to get a booth?
1: And Surtex is really expensive. And that was one of the things that kind of drove the artist away from Surtex was The expense just kept going up and up and up, and it just became really prohibitive for a lot of artists. Not only that, but you had to have a hotel room in New York City, and Uh you're getting there. Yeah. That was one of the things I think that kind of made exhibiting at Surtex decline a little bit, and I think Blueprint is less to cost to exhibit there. I haven't looked it up to see, but I think the cost is less.
0: Yeah. I uh, went to grad school in San Francisco and I've been to SurTech myself a couple of times and it's quite a amazing, huge event. (laughs) Funny side story, when I went to SurTech and exhibited the first time, they gave me booth number 666. (laughs) (laughs) If you can believe that, that they actually had a booth, 666. So I took all my stuff that had little caricatures of me on it and drew um, devil horns and a tail.
1: You did love the devil horns.
0: <laughs> well, what else are you going to do when you get a booth with that number? I mean, this is ridiculous.
1: <laughs> that is funny. I hope you had a good show in spite of the,
0: the, the evil kind of <laughs> Right, right. You're cursed forevermore. So... You have really been growing this and educating people and that kind of brings us into automation and amplifying. So it's you and your partner. How have you kept from getting overwhelmed with how much to do because you're both licensing your work and then you're running this event? What are some tips and tricks you use?
1: A lot of it is just about because we know at certain times, our art, our own business is busier and certain times, you know, working for Art Biz Jam and preparing that is busier. Like right now we're in, you know, in the final two months prior to Art Biz Jam. So we're, Mm -hmm. you know, in full mode now with that, but it's just a matter of just being organized. You know, if you got work to, you know, work to do for your business, you do that. And then you, you work on Art Biz Jam at night, or you, you know, it's just a matter of, coordinating things.
0: And how do you organize your your art? You must have a massive body of work since you were in the textile industry. Do you have any tips and tricks on how you organize your artwork? Well, all my art is on my computer, of course, and
1: I create it digitally now because that's the way clients want it. But I just have it organized by categories. You know, I have a file for each piece of art and give it a name and I have a spreadsheet to coordinate with that like this collection has a num this certain number on it so that I know what it is and what the name of it is. So, that's so
0: cool. maybe you have like collection of say like sunflowers, yes, and then you give it a number like 001,
1: right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, so I, did, I do have a collection of sunflowers as a matter of fact. <laughs> but I do have, you know, I just have everything I give it, you know, a number and a file name, and it's just in this file under. Well, I have a file called Art, and I got a bunch of stuff in there, and then a sub-file called Art Licensing, and then under the Art Licensing, this is where I have all of the art, actually, in their own file. So,
0: Is that file for the work that's just been licensed, or for all of your work?
1: For all of my art, basically. I put the Art Licensing as a title, but it's all of my art. Every time I create an art, I create a file in that category, and I have mm-hmm. a art in that one file. And then I have, so a lot of times subcategories of that like say for instance under sunflowers I could have sunflower uh repeat patterns like for fabrics and then
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, like different categories like sunflower with mock-ups on different products and everything so you know there mm-hmm. sub files under all of that so it's just um uh, just the way I I do it so you know other people <laughs> may have better better
0: systems that work for them yeah and are you using photoshop or you said you work digitally now what uh software are you using A Photoshop and Illustrator.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, I've become to use Illustrator more and more as I create because it is just such a versatile program.
0: Yeah. And it really is. It's my fave.
1: Yeah. I have found that most artists use Photoshop and everybody is intimidated by Illustrator, but Illustrator is actually easier to learn than Photoshop. And you can just do so much more with it. Like with creating fabrics and repeat patterns. I mean, Illustrator hands down is the best.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And do you do your original artwork digitally as well? Do you paint on the computer? Uh, yes, I used to uh, paint by hand.
1: But then when, uh, you know, everybody started wanting everything, you know, like we want the files and Photoshop layers, you know, you really have to start working that way to get it to them like they want it, you know, because that's how most of the companies want it is in layers. And even though you may have the work done like you want it they may want to change a few things around and if it's just flat art that you've scanned in and send to them, they can't really change it to suit their product needs. So some people do, you know, in fact, a lot of people still do paint by art and then they scan it in and then they have to clean it up and then they have to cut pieces from it or they create extra pieces on it to go with it that they scan in that coordinate with the art. So, I just found it easier to just do it in Photoshop and Illustrator and the files are there. And if, and if they want color changes, it's a lot easier. And that's one thing about Illustrator I like. If somebody wants a color change, it's just like two or three clicks of the button and it's done. You know, you yeah. know, about shading that might have a different look quirk in it or anything. It's all done.
0: Yeah. So do you use a Wacom tablet so that it still feels like yeah. brush strokes
1: and stuff? I do have a tablet, but I also have one of the, the Cintiq, the uh, large 24-inch or whatever inch it is, Cintiq tablet, which sits on a desk and it pulls down kind of in your lap. And I use that to draw them because it's like a tablet. You can just draw right on on it instead of having to look down at the Wacom tablet and then up the screen. This one, you actually draw on the screen.
0: Very cool. Those are Awesome. I want one. (laughs) That
1: was a big wish list item to get that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they're pretty pricey, aren't they? Yes, Mm -hmm. but they're awesome because I think it really makes you feel more like you're creating traditionally because you're drawing directly on the surface.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. So, but they're also extremely heavy. So my studio is upstairs. I had to get somebody to bring it upstairs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. So you know. In the appeals system that I, I use for this podcast, you know, I'm using this acronym, the Artist Appeals, A-P-P-E-A-L-S, Appeals, to, to basically try and organize a massive amount of information for everybody. And so we've talked about the art that you've made. We've talked about products. We've talked about presentation, but we didn't touch on how you present for licensing. We talked about presentation and context of your Art Biz Jam's presentation, your hmm. event. Let's back up just a little bit and talk about presenting um, artwork for licensing since you've had so much experience, if you don't mind.
1: Oh, no, not at all. Uh, uh, let me see. I, uh, well, I, you know, show it to them on an iPad, but you've got to have it kind of uh, organized like in collections art. You know, you just don't just walk up and say, here's my art. You have to really understand there's a lot going into the presentation and with licensing. You know, there's so many uh, ups and downs and successes and disappointments with licensing. And, but you need to work that consider that it's a partnership with a company when you're licensing with them. And communication and that relationship are very important. And when you, you need to know what they want. And how to present to them and do, you know, prepare for what they need for their product. Mm-hmm. If you're going in cold, the company, like if you're just like at a show and you're just going to be showing it to a different bunch of different companies, you, you really need to have it very organized and have it in collections and have it kind of some of it on mock-ups so that they can see what it would look like on a product they may be manufacturing.
0: Right. So a collection is a group of work that has a common theme and a common style, right? And how many pieces would you say go in a collection?
1: The standard is four. And then when you have that uh, four collections, you need to be prepared to have some breakouts from it too. Like if you have four pieces of art, you need to have some coordinates that go with it also. you know, Maybe you take a little element out of the art
0: and use that element as a quarter, a coordinating piece. A coordinating piece, yeah. So like going back to the sunflowers, maybe you have a big sunflower, right? Right. And then maybe you have a repeating pattern that coordinates that has yellows and greens in it.
1: Right. And, you know, like for instance, like you could have the sunflower and you could have a little bee or a butterfly on that sunflower or flying around it. Then you could take the bee or the butterfly out and make that into a pattern. And, mm-hmm. you know, so that's what it's just kind of a, a simple high technique of, you know, having some breakout to coordinate with that. And if you're going to do licensing into fabrics, there's a set formula for fabric companies that they need. Ooh, and, let's hear it. Oh, yeah. This involves this over the years. There used to be that fabric companies needed like 24 fabrics. I mean, not 24 fabrics. There'd be 24 in a collection, but that'd be multiple colorways. But now you mainly need your main pattern, which could be a great big panel or just a big design that would be the uh, anchor point for the collection. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: you need a smaller pattern to go with it that could be kind of similar. Then you need a stripe fabric to go with it. And this is not like just up and down stripes. This is like it could be a stripe of, say, bees or a stripe involving little flowers or other little elements to make the stripe interesting and then uh, then you have what is called blenders which a lot of people aren't familiar with that term but a blender is a very small or very kind of flat piece maybe with texture or something that can go with the collection to pull it all together because when somebody is sewing they don't need all big prints they can use like a soft solid kind of almost like a solid to go with it that will you know, break it up and give some, you know. Relief to the eye, maybe? Right. Mm -hmm. Contrast and everything. So, you know, you need to have all of these in a collection. You just don't have one piece and then, you know, show it in different colors. You need to have all the different scales to go with
0: it. Very cool. Great information. You guys taking notes? You should be taking notes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wonderful. So, Art, product, presentation, educating your audience, amplifying and automating. Do you post your own artwork? We talked about automating for Art Biz Jams and how you've got the Facebook group and you post on Instagram. Do you still post your work on um, social media? Because I know that a lot, this is a little bit different. This topic of social media is a little bit different for licensing artists because you guys like to keep your stuff private, right? Right. You keep it private
1: to a point and you know there's some companies that will also put the product out there and so they put it out there and a lot of times I show my finished product but the problem are not a problem but with licensing you don't know who the end customer is so you don't know you don't know who is selling your product like for instance if you were to have your product on a dish or some kind of ceramic you know you can show pictures of it but you don't know, and you can tell who it's made for even, but you don't know what store is going to be actually selling that. So you can't promote it, like go to such and such store and buy it. Now, sometimes you may know if a chain has it, like you may know, say for instance, Bed Bath & Beyond has your product. You can say, here's my XX product. You can go get this at Bed Bath & Beyond. But for the most part, licensing, you don't know who is actually selling your product unless you could Google your product name and find a store that way to see who's a seller. You can say, this is available at such and such a store. But it's hard to promote a product you've licensed unless you really have a a specific place where they can get it, you know. And you are right too. A lot of artists are very quietly up with their who they're licensing with. Mm -hmm. There's some standard companies that everybody knows. So that's no big deal. But then a lot of people have Private label companies they may be working with are are just you know like that like I'm working with a big company that tends to have different labels and things but it's just a matter just a mix of what people want to show and what they want to promote you know if you're working with fabrics that's the easiest one to promote Mm -hmm. from the company that's with and like somebody likes it they can go to their fabric store and say this is from that's such a company where you order it you know request it that way or look online for it so. that's the easiest type of product to promote is fabrics. And you kind of know who your audience is. Like when I was doing a lot of fabric design, I built my Facebook page with a lot of quilting people. Mm-hmm. They were the ones that buy the fabrics. and they do, So they were easy to target. But like, how are you going to target somebody that wants a garden flag? Mm-hmm. So uh, or how are you going to target somebody that wants a rug? Or how are you going to target somebody that wants such, such and such a product? So I found, though, that fabrics is the easiest way to market your your licensed products.
0: Mm, that's a good tip. Mm. I know agents. So there's art licensing agents that have, like, whole stables, if you will, of artists. They have whole rosters. Yeah. <laughs> and they keep their stuff real real uh, locked down. Like, they'll have a few sample pieces, but then you have to have a login to see the rest, right? Right. Uh, yeah, I just... Uh, I was with a
1: stable for years. <laughs> That's your term, not mine, but I'm just repeating your term. <laughs> I did leave uh, my agency uh, a few months ago after being with them several years. So that was, you know, that was a decision I made for several reasons and uh, mm. it, no hard feelings or anything. It was just, you know, I felt like with uh, my knowledge of the industry and everything, I, I really didn't need it as much as I did getting started.
0: So, you think agents are a good way for beginners to kind of start out? Yes. It's
1: just up to the individual. Some people want an agent because they don't want to do some of the back end work, which is one of the reasons I did. I don't like doing the back end work, which is like following up, you know, making the contacts, following up. Following up is the hardest thing, for, I think, for an artist to do is once they make the contact, it's, you got to stay with it to follow up. And that is just something that. So many artists don't do, negotiating a contract is another area that artists are like, oh, I don't want to do that, you know? So, right. yeah. So that's when an agent can come in really handy. Like if the artist just wants to sit in you know, their studio, day in and out, create art and not have any other contact or any other deal with anything else, an agent is a good fit. But if you're really good at doing negotiations and all of this other stuff that goes with it, then you might not need an agent. You know, it's just up to the individual so there are pros and cons both ways.
0: Yeah. That actually leads us right into L for licensing. So we've talked about art, product, presentation, educating, automating and amplifying, and then L licensing. But this is also where we talk about contracts a little bit. And contracts can be real tricky, <laughs> particularly in licensing. And I always say a lawyer is a wonderful thing to have. But what can you share with us about contracts that you might recommend everybody have in place or terms that artists should know if they're going to go with themselves or things like that?
1: Yes. Uh, well, first, all, at Art Biz Jam, we do have an IP attorney that is speaking. Tammy Browning-Smith would be uh, giving a presentation. And Love she, that woman. Yes. She's strictly an IP attorney, which is good to have. But when you're doing your own contracts, you really need to read them and understand what the clauses mean. That is key. And that's not just, that's with whether you're signing with an, an agent or whether you're signing with a licensing company. So it's a good idea to have your boilerplate license, you know contract that you can use. And it may be that the company may want to furnish a contract, but you can go back over it and look at it. And change things. You don't have to go with exactly what they say. You can make changes and you can say, well, here's my contract or whatever. So it's just key to know what the terms mean and what you're signing. Is. You need to look at it and read it very carefully. And if you don't understand it, or which the first few contracts you may not understand, you do need to get an attorney to look it over and make sure everything is is right with it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. and uh, there are times when you you know, you do need to have an attorney to work with it down the line, possibly. So,
0: Yeah. I know one thing that I learned about licensing early on that I think is so important for people to know, and you can probably speak to this, is exclusivity versus non-exclusivity, right? There's always a clause about where the company can use your work. And if it says it's exclusive, then they're the only ones that can use it. But in licensing, you want to have more the ability to license that work to multiple places and on multiple products, right? Right, and uh, you also
1: need to look at the contract to, uh, First of all, on the exclusivity part, whether they're going to do it in the U.S. or it's going to be worldwide—that mm-hmm. makes a difference. the region right. And then uh, when you're working with a company, they need to specify which piece of art and what products they're going to use it for. Mm-hmm. So. Say, for instance, if you are uh, licensing it for dinnerware, then that frees you up to license it, say, for bedding and bath or uh, garden products, you know, rugs or something. So, you know, they'd have to specify what products they're going to use it on and the length of time, you know, like it's for three years. Right. That's very important. It's not like in perpetuity. Get that word out. It's- <laughs> a certain amount of time that they're going to license that product from you on the contract. And then when that contract expires, you know, it can be renewed or you can not renew it, but it's, you know, strictly by length of time category. Yeah. Just because somebody re- license your art for, say, maybe, for instance, a garden flag doesn't mean you can't use it for anything else. So you need to uh, make sure that that's in the contract. And also some companies like if I'm gonna do your your art for this, I don't want you to have it on a competing product in another company. Say for instance, you do say garden flags for one company. They may not want you to do garden flags for another company. You know, so, so right. you get all that in writing, you know, like I'm exclusive to you for garden flags, but I can do this and this for other companies, but I can't do garden flags for another company.
0: Right. And then the region might be like for North America or the US. Because you might want to license it to someplace in Europe,
1: right? So that's why you need to get that spelled out. Because most of the contracts uh, here in the U.S. include Canada or something, but mm-hmm. but make sure what areas it covers and if it's going to be worldwide or you know just for the U.S.
0: So right. yeah, so region, duration, exclusivity—definitely all really good things that you have to define in your contracts. Right. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Wonderful. So. Success and stories, you know, you work up to all this, but I think so often we as artists don't take a moment to stop and celebrate our successes. We just bounce from one goal to the next, you know, and it's really important that we stop and say, hey, I did that and share it because people want to know it. And we tend to be humble, I think. I think artists are humble. That's just me generalizing, (laughs) but I think we are overall. Can you talk about how you define success and what you do when you hit a milestone and a goal?
1: Well, I don't really celebrate. I'm just like uh, <gasps> tut tut, and I'm happy, happy, happy. You know, when that happens and you feel good. But it, my biggest successes are, and this is not so much when something is successful. A product, my business. I feel successful when I get an email from somebody saying your art makes me happy, or your mm-hmm. art makes smile that I think is is a success and that makes me happy and makes me smile when I get something like that but I do love it when I get a big royalty check and I'm like, yeah <laughs>
0: well yeah that would be great too you ever print those emails out and like put them on a wall you should have like a binder or something right
1: yes I should that's a good idea because right now they're all on, on my computer and pdf so
0: <laughs> right that sounds like something you could share in social media too
1: that is, you know, I, th- I think you can share, you know, like when, so- when you, somebody makes a good comment about your art, you can say, oh, it made me so happy that so-and-so just was said my art made them smile. But then I, but you, on the other hand, you're not going to go out and say, yeah, I received a big royalty check. I mean, that's just not something you're going to do. So, but you can, you know, talk about how how being successful or the fact that people like your art makes you feel. I think that's that's a good thing to talk about, or
0: how oh, heck how yeah, know, to
1: create art. I like how much fun you have when you're creating, you know, the, how happy it makes you feel to be in a creative mode. Of, yeah, yeah. My husband used to tell me, uh, and this is kind of a funny story too, back when I was uh, painting art, actually painting the art, he would say, I hate it when you start painting because you go in this zone and I'm like gone from <laughs> the universe. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think it is the zone. There's a whole book about, you know, how to reach the zone faster for like business people and, and sports people, but art, it takes us there. I think that's like the ultimate way to hit the zone.
1: It, he didn't mind me doing it on the computer. He, I don't guess He doesn't think I'm in a zone, but, but when I was hand painting, it was like, oh my God, you're going to be
0: gone now. <laughs> yeah, mine too. Definitely. It's funny we all kind of traverse these similar pathways and yet come at it from a different angle. I just spoke to a wonderful photographer the other day, Jeffrey Stoner. Um, He's this photographer and he's been having some really great success. He's in like 10 galleries up and down the East coast. And his photography has been collected by this real famous country Western singer um, who he could not disclose. (laughs) no. <laughs> right, right. Me too. It was, it was so tantalizing. And it was really interesting because we were talking about the importance of stories and, and the, how his stories about each piece, the photographs he was taking, were augmenting his success. He really felt that the little write-ups he did, the stories about each photograph, helped to sell the piece.
1: I agree with that. And, like the way I'm working, I don't really have the time to or the ability to create stories when you're working for a client. But I'm beginning to get more and more into storytelling about some of the other things I'm doing. And I want to point out there is a good book, and I'm about halfway through with it, and it's called Building a Story Brand. Mm. It is phenomenal. It really is phenomenal. And so, but stories are important and they do. You know, when you're working directly to, say, a consumer like the guy you mentioned working and selling his photographs, it is important to have a story because that does help sell and it helps the person connect with the piece you're selling. So,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, so it's just, but in licensing, it's not as important unless you know who the target audience is for your product. Right tell the story
0: Mm -hmm. i think it's a little harder to tell a story in text and copy for for art licensing but you can tell a story visually and some artists have a whole theme where their visuals kind of tell a story like um you know seaside or beach living right
1: yes Mm -hmm. there's an artist that came to Artbiz jam last year and she's a well-known artist and uh she uh created a, this product to show because that was part of the one of the exercises was to create a product. And, uh-huh. and so I remember her showing that and I thought, wow, that is so great. And then the other day I was like looking at her feed on Instagram and there she was showing it, it placed with a company nice and just a really unique product she came out, with, came up with. And it was like, oh my God, that was from artist Jam. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So your attendees have had a lot of success, right? Oh, they have. And it just, that is so heartwarming to see somebody yeah. that connected with the product developer at ArtBiz Jam or correct. or learned how to present their art and then went and showed it to a company and it was licensed. And then they, this artist I just talked with yesterday, she said, she's doing some pop-up stores for a big greeting card company. Hmm. and She said, Two people called to tell me I should do that. And she said, both of them I met at Art Jam. (sighs) So it was a networking process, you know. Yeah. And that is so key with artists and growing is is the work you get through networking.
0: Yeah. And growing, too. We were talking earlier um, before the, the interview a little bit about revenue streams and multiple revenue streams and how important it is. And you mentioned this in here. You said, don't put all your eggs in one basket. I think with licensing, do you want to talk to that a little bit about how you can diversify and grow in licensing and create multiple revenue streams? Uh, yes.
1: Licensing, and some artists may already know this, it changes over the years. It goes up and down and up and down because of the way the whole industry is situated. You know, they may have in-house designers one year and the next year they don't, so they need more outside work. So it just varies. And so also there are more artists out there licensing now. So the pie, the piece of the pie is getting a little smaller. So you really need to have more income coming in from different directions so that you don't have, you're not relying on one avenue for your income. And there are so many different ways that you can uh, do that now. It's just, You could do uh, what what people call PODs, which is print-on-demands, where you can put your art on product to sell through these other companies where they print the art as soon as, you know, somebody orders it. And, you know, that could be Zazzle, Redbubble, Society6. Uh, For fabrics, Spoonflower is really big. If you've got repeat patterns that, you know, are not placed with fabric companies, you can put them up on Spoonflower and sell them there. So... Mm-hmm. But there are other ways you can have, you can do things, have an Etsy store and sell your art through Etsy stores. I mean, there's just so many different ways that you can sell your art. You just don't need to be strictly licensing, you need to do other areas. And we're going to have uh, two really good speakers at ArtBizGem this year that are going to talk about that too. So I'm really excited because one of them mentioned some companies, and I'm going, I've never heard of these that she was mm. talking about, that she was going to talk about for e commerce. So Mm -hmm. there's just, you know, so many different ways that you just need to expand the way you do your business so that you're not just doing it in one method only.
0: Yeah, you know, Zazzle's been around for a long time and I hadn't looked at it in a really long time, but they've got invitation cards and clothing and accessories and home decor, dinnerware, electronics, offices. So basically what they do is print your artwork on a product, right? And then people can just go on and buy it. Right. And, the actual product.
1: Right. And it's that, I mean, they're constantly adding new products. I mean, it's just like, makes your head spin with how many new products they have. And so, uh, I mean, and, and they, it's just the full gamut. And the thing about Zazzle and all of these other stories is you can personalize your product. Like if you want your name on a product, you can have it, you know? So yeah. I gear a lot of the products I put on Zazzle so that they can be personalized because oh what a great idea mm-hmm. and so that's another trick is when you're doing products on these up uh, pods have it so that it can be personalized now of course you can't do it with like spoon flour and fabrics because that's a repeat pattern but you can do it with zazzle and the other stores like that the other pod companies
0: yeah spoon flour for those of you guys who don't know prints fabric Have you ever ordered from them? How's their quality? I've never actually bought their fabric.
1: It's very good quality. And and the thing about them, they have more than like just one fabric. They have like minky fabric, which is kind of a slinky type, cuddly fabric. And they have the canvases. Like if you wanted a piece of art on a canvas, even, they've got canvas. They've got, I mean, they've got a, you know, probably 15 or so different type of fabrics you can use. They have jersey, all of this stuff.
0: Oh, and I see they got wallpaper and gift wrap now too. I'm I'm actually looking at your site as we're talking. Yeah, they've got. Yeah, they've really expanded too.
1: Yes, and then they also are in connection with a company called Roostery, which makes pillows, uh, bedding like the uh, duvets, pillows, uh, and uh, other products there. So they have these products, and they the fabric they can use your fabric for these products. So that's another way you can sell spoon Spoonflower is through Roastery, where they sell products
0: that way. Interesting. So, I mean, you don't have to have any technical knowledge to build a website with these with these platforms, Spoonflower and Zazzle. You know, I mean, you do want to have your own website, but this is neat because, you know, for you guys out there that want to get started and maybe you can't go to one of these big shows just yet, you can build a Spoonflower uh, website or a Zazzle website, Right.
1: Right. Because all you do, you don't, I mean, you don't even build the welfare. You just start your store and put, like, say, a header up and then just upload the art, you know, for the products and place it on the products so that it can show that way. And it's very simple once you get started. It may be a bit of a learning curve right at the very beginning, but once you learn it, I mean, you just, you know, go gangbusters on it.
0: Yeah. And how do you promote it? Like, um, I see that one of them has a lot of, Uh, So it's like Spoonflower, they have shop tags and you put a lot of tags in there describing your artwork. Mm -hmm. Do you go out and have any tips or tricks on ways to promote these types of? Yeah, I I will uh,
1: promote it by put it on uh, Instagram, Pinterest, uh, Mm -hmm. my website, blog about it or something. So Mm -hmm. you can, you know, uh, like, for instance, when you see up there, in the format and you see it as a pillow, you can do a screen grab of that and then put it on something and show it that way. Oh, what a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. uh, So, and then if you've got the own art too, you can use your own art, but I usually just do screen grabs from it because one of the screen grabs for the fabric is that they make it kind of wrinkly. So it's just not flat art. And that kind of supposedly is a deterrent from copyright infringement, even
0: though it's not but I kind of show it that way. Well, and seeing it on the product, I think maybe lets your people know that it's for sale and it looks more realistic if it has wrinkles. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then you add all those links right at the bottom of your signature, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. I like the idea of the screenshot. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's
1: that's really good. And the quickest way to do it is to just do, a, do that. Uh, so.
0: Well, there you have a quick and easy way to get into licensing without even having to go to one of the big conferences. But if you want to go big, then you, you go to one of the conferences or get an agent. So um, that's almost like a three-step there. You could start a Zazzle or a Spoonflower, then present to an agent, try and get an agent, and then go to the big conferences, right?
1: Yes. And you know you never know who is going to find your art in one of these PODs or one of Etsy or some of these stores. or. Mm-hmm locations because art directors are out there looking at the internet too and they see some things and one of the biggest biggest they are yeah one of the biggest uh, success stories that hit the industry a few years ago was this artist who was doing something that spoke to one product developer and she went to her company and said we need to do this and she had to talk them into it and it turned out to be one of the biggest uh well-known names in the industry uh you know uh, because this one product developer saw this art and at the moment she was going through something and it
0: spoke to her. Can you, now you, now you made me curious. Can you tell us who, 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 who was it? I don't any names right now, but it's, a uh. yeah, it's, uh,
1: I mean, so, I mean, there's so many ways that you can be discovered, you know, the more you show your art and so many people are scared to put the art on the internet because it will be, you know, infringed, and I have had so many things right now on Amazon that is infringing my art, that it's just driving me nuts, but you've got to put Uh, it out to be seen. Uh, I mean, you you just, you just can't like sit on it and leave it in your computer forever. It's not going to do you any good to do that. You've got to show it.
0: Yeah, I'm guilty of hiding it away in a closet, too. Let's talk a little bit. We have just a couple of minutes left, but let's talk a little bit about uh, copyright infringement. What do you do when that happens? Well,
1: I have had some things on Amazon where I went to them and said, take it down. And they did. And right now I've got tons of stuff there and they're just like ignoring me. And I have sent them email after email after email and I've shown them where it's my art and all of that. And so This may sound extreme, and and I know some people have that have had things like in some different stores that I'm not going to mention, and uh, they've gone to the store, to the office, and said, you know, China knocked this off. This is my art, and they got paid back royalties on it. So there are some success stories in getting money back out of the work that was infringed. But with stores like Amazon, you know, it's like pulling your hair out. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally pulling your hair out, and. I'm at the point, and like I say, this may sound extreme, but the FBI has got a place where you can go to them about, or copyright, I mean, stuff that has been infringed on the internet. Really? Yeah. And the FCC does also. I guess it is say, is it FCC or FCC? Yeah. They do also have a thing where you can have infringed product that's on, or infringed stuff on the internet that they will look into also. And like I say, that's extreme, but I'm at the point of either dropping the whole thing or pulling my hair out and doing this, but it will just be something I'm consuming to do it. Because I mean, I've got hundreds of links for what just one piece of art. And that's not even, you know, like I did not have the heart to look for other pieces of art. Right. it just got to make up your mind which way you're going to do or what you're going to do when it's in French. You know, some people just get so frustrated with it. They don't do anything. And others, like I say, some have pursued it and have some success stories when it's like a physical product in a store. You know, then go to the store and say, either pull it or pay me back uh, royalties on it.
0: Yeah, you know, there's something called Tin Eye Reverse Image Search. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever tried this, but you can actually search by an image and find out where an image appears online. So Uh you can actually track your your artwork and your photographs and um, try and see if people are infringing. Yeah, I'm aware of that one. But for Amazon, you can use their own
1: app. You just put on the app like you were going to purchase for it. And there's a thing there where you can hit the like photo thing. And if you've got a photo of your art on, say, on your phone or wherever your app is, pull that up. And within seconds, it will show all of the places that have that art. And that's where I found out about this one image. And then I pulled up another image and there was some more. And by that time, I'm just like, I just can't deal with it.
0: Right. That's that's so frustrating. Mm -hmm. Oh, well. I'm gonna have to go look at Amazon now.
1: They may have moved that button after everybody's contacted them about the art. <laughs> What's the button called again? It's just a photo button. Let me see. I could pull it up and see. Uh, it's just a, a little button on the. Uh, Let's see. Where is my Amazon app here? Uh, yeah,
0: the one I was talking about for you guys listening are is tin i t i n e y e dot com. And 10I will track your photographs. It's a reverse image search. So you put an image in and try and find where other places it might be. Okay.
1: On the uh, Amazon app, right at the top of it, it's got a little little camera. You just click on that. And then uh, you can say search with camera. And so if you've got your photos of your art in your camera, you pull one up. You want it to search for and it'll come up and then within just a few seconds it's showing all the products that have got
0: that interesting I didn't know you could do that that's wow cool interesting it can be really disheartening and
1: frustrating
0: right so. yeah and China doesn't care about copyright no and Amazon I
1: hate to say it Amazon doesn't either mm-hmm. you know so I might get my hand slapped for saying that but you know <laughs> contact it it's like a a circus you, they go round and round you know you, you submit it and then you get an email saying you need to go back and submit it through what you just submitted it through
0: <laughs> all right well on that disappointing note let's move on to books so I, I always like to ask at the end if there's any um books you would recommend or that you would give away as a gift which you you know or come back and reread again and again and again it doesn't even have to be about art licensing although if it is bonus but
1: I've got uh, three books that uh, I really like, and there's some more, and I couldn't find them. But I've got books everywhere in my house. But like I said, the first Me one, too. one I'm reading right now is "Building a Story Brand" by Donald Merritt
0: Miller. Oh yeah,
1: and it is really a good book. And you're know, like, everything is about stories now, so this is telling you how to build your brand, you know, with a story. And then another book that I really like is uh, "The Twelve Week Year." Hmm. And that one is really interesting in how to, I guess, organize what you do. Instead of everybody coming out with a yearly goal or plan, you do it in 12 weeks. You pretend that 12 weeks is a year and you get it all accomplished in that 12 weeks. And then you move on to the next 12 weeks.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. So it's really, a, really a good book. And then another book is Being the Starfish. Being the Starfish.
0: hmm that sounds very meditative. Be the starfish. <laughs> Feel the starfish aura. That, <laughs>
1: that was like seven steps to sharing. So people want to buy. <laughs> oh, I like it. Yeah. you have to check that out. Yeah. So uh, there were several other books, but these three are my favorites. So, uh, but the story brand, I, you know, I just bought that one not too long ago and I'm about halfway through with it. And I'm just like, how am I going to remember all this stuff? You know, I've got to uh, go back and reread it again. And I'm making a little page notations and everything. So I go back to certain points in it because it's really, really good.
0: Yeah. Do you write in your books? Do you dog ear or write in your books?
1: I was doing that in the past. And I'm, I'm tempted to with building a story brand, but I hate to do it. But I thought if I go through and mark this book with a yellow marker, the whole book's going to be yellow. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I am guilty of, I I highlight, I write in the margins, I dog ear. Yeah, I I totally, that way I can just flip back and read the good parts. But yeah, some books are so good, the whole thing ends up yellow, right? Well, I think I'm going to do that with this one. I've been like putting little little pieces of paper
1: on different, you know, pages for like bookmarks. But I think I'm going to go back to it and just start highlighting it because it's just really a great book.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Phyllis. You are awesome. I have really enjoyed this conversation. And I want to come over to Philly for Art Biz Jam. Well, I hope we want you there. So you can come to that uh,
1: meet and greet party on Tuesday night. And then we're going to set you up at the time that you can come speak to
0: people, you know, like maybe at lunch or sometime when we may have a a little bit less speaker Well, I would love that. I would love that. So, folks, come to Philly. Come check out this great, great event. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on The Artist Appeals. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Erin,
1: for having me here. I was so excited when you asked me to join you here. Yeah. We appreciate it.
0: Are you a teacher or a homeschooler or crafter? Perhaps you have kids that you like to share your love of nature with and explore the outdoors and have adventures with. Perhaps you like to go out and find bugs and frogs and turtles and snakes and birds' nests. Now you can bring that adventure inside and extend your adventure with your kids or your crafts with a craft project. Check out iConnect Crafts. That's E-Y-E, as in an eyeball, connect Crash.com, where you can find over 70 different animals, all designed by yours truly, called the Totem Poppets. The Totem Poppets are fun, movable animals. You can paint them, you can stamp them, you can zentangle them. They can take anything you can throw at them, from crayons to watercolors. They're movable. Everyone has joints. You put them together with mini brads. We have six different colors of mini-brads. You can choose blues, purples, greens, golds, silvers, whites, whatever you like. And you assemble them and then you can play with them. Stick them on a chopstick, make a play, put them in an art journal, a scrapbook, a greeting card, use them in a project for school. So check them out at IConnectCrafts.com. Well, that's it for The Artist Appeals. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed recording it. I just love talking with all these artists and business people. It's phenomenal, and I've learned so much. I hope you've learned something, too. You can get more information. You can check out some of the links that we talked about in these podcasts at theartistappeals.com. That's the theartistappeals.com appeals, appeal com. Thanks and have a good one.